you can't cover everything at a racetrack. You need more than one photographer, which is what I always, my feelings on it were. I, and I, I certainly didn't feel that, that I was any better or belonged to any place that any other photographer didn't belong. If, you know, if you were, if you had a job to do and you were doing your job, everybody's just trying to do their job and doing it, the, trying to do it the best they can. Episode 135, Tanks Latin Podcast. We have a really, really cool guest today. We are doing another interview pod, and it's Dave Honig from flattrackphotos.com. Dave has been around for such a long time. Him and Kathy Honig are just staples in the sport of flat track legends, really, taking photos all the way back from the 1980s, early 1980s, all the way to present time. They've seen probably more races than anybody. I've been at the track. They've worked for the AMA. They've supplied photos for some of the biggest publications dating back to black and white photos and cycle news all the way to digital and where we're at now, which I'm excited to talk to Dave about the transition and technology basically from day one to now and the journey that he's had with being a photographer in motorsports. I think this is our first photographer we've had on the pod. So this is a good one. I've known Dave and Kathy, obviously, as many flat track riders have for a very long time and the nicest people ever. So stoked to have Dave Honig come on here in a little bit. Want to make sure we shout out Mission Foods, title sponsor of Tanks Lab and Podcasts. Really excited to have them on board week after week, just doing these podcasts. Wouldn't be possible without Mission Foods. If you can, Support them. Go to your local grocery store, find the products, tortilla shells, tortilla chips, salsa. Man, they have a lot of great products. So make sure you check out Mission Foods and support them. And they're they're doing so much for the sport. So it's definitely appreciated. And I want to give another shout out to Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. They have a great lineup of motorcycles. My one of my best friends, Ryan Connolly, he just got a a scout bobber man so so cool they're really cool bikes uh if you can go test ride a bike buy some clothes check out indian motorcycle they're doing so much for american flat track uh super hooligan racing and big big efforts in moto america right now so big shout out to indian motorcycle i want to do a couple shout outs we have a couple races I, I want to talk about before we bring Dave on. We have a, it's called the Mile High Showdown. It's August 19th in Erie, Colorado. Anybody out there, out that way, this is a really, really big event. It's growing every year. Dave Kilkenny, apparently he's the legend of the Mile High Showdown. He said he's going for the three-peat. It's August 19th, IMI Motorsports Complex in Erie, Erie Colorado. Um yeah, Erie, Colorado. It's kind of Erie, Pennsylvania, but uh, Erie, Erie, Colorado, $1,500 current pro hooligan purse. If you want to stay up to date with that event, check out their Instagram, Mile High Showdown, at mile underscore high underscore showdown. And also Hagerstown, a little biased on this one, but Hagerstown, Maryland, flat track Hagerstown, bringing the event back to Hagerstown Speedway in Hagerstown, Maryland on August 25th to 26th. We have a lot of really cool things announced with this event, but I just got to prove that it'll be a featured AMA amateur national. So we're excited to bring another high level event to 
amateur races from around the country. If you haven't been to Hagerstown, it's it's an iconic racetrack that have it's been around for a really long time. We used to run there in the professional series, and I I don't know this might be the first or it's definitely the first in a long time there's ever been amateurs on that racetrack. So if you can check out CoreyTexasPromotions.com. I have information on there. I'll keep updating it. Send me a message on our um, our uh, race promotions Instagram pages and Facebook Corey Texter Promotions, and we should have we posted up the schedule on our pages just recently. We should have more info coming. Uh, that event is also presented by Mission Foods. So again, Mission Foods is just crushing it, keeping us rolling. Um, I wanted to give a little update. So I, sometimes I get messages and comments regarding, well, a lot of shit to be, to be honest. But uh, the the biggest recently is the audio, and I think what people are noticing on our audio is Eric Hartley and myself. We both have really good mics that we're talking with. And then when we bring on guests, they're calling on their cell phone. They're calling on a landline. We don't like our guests, the racers, We they don't have microphones handy. They're just calling in on their phone. So our audio is really good. And then we have someone call in. It's really hard to adjust those levels to have the audio match. And sometimes you're caught turning the volume, volume up on your on your radio for the guests and you're quick turning it down because C-Tex is screaming through the podcast. So um, you know, the only, the only option would be to not have guests on the podcast or not do as many shows. Like we try to try to make the audio the best we can. Uh, Billy Klingsporn, he's my audio editor guy. He does so much work for the podcast and we do our best we can, but yeah, to have guests on and especially some of these racers, like <laughs> they don't know they're on AirPods they're on speaker foam, they're losing signal driving in the car. It's it's a task to get some of these riders to call in and have good audio, but that's, that's pretty much why, why you're, you kind of notice that a little bit with the audio. So we apologize. We do the best we can. We try to get as many podcasts out as we, as possible, but the only other option would just to be not have guests. And I really like that, that aspect of what we do. And we have guests call in and uh, like the review pod or the rewind pod from Devil's Bowl, we had Trent Lowe and Jared Meese call in, and it's just cool that we can get those riders to call in. We we really appreciate the riders that listen and participate in our podcast, just to give the fans some insight. I mean, besides what you read on social media, Flat Track doesn't have great media. Like we're not getting insight from the riders, we're not getting personality. We're just we're just losing kind of to other disciplines, you know, there are tons of podcasts and call-ins and interviews and vlogs, and there's just not much going around in flat track. It's, I think it's a big reason why we're not growing, uh, you know, in Moto America, they do a really good job with their social media channels. You know, that's, they're as big as NASCAR right now, Moto, Moto America with posting content. So yeah, hopefully we can continue to grow that and and make it better, but that's, you know, when we do the the guest pods or the interview pods, sometimes sometimes it's finicky with the audio. Um, with that being said, with no further ado, I want to welcome on Dave Honig from Flat Track Photos. What's up, Dave? I'm good. There's not much new here at all. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's uh, been highly sought after. A lot of fans have have said we want to hear from Dave Honig, man. So that's that's really cool with uh with some of the riders we've had on Kenny Roberts and Springer and Parker and Travis Pastrana and and they want Dave Honig man so it's uh, a pri- privilege to have you on. 
Well, it's a, it's an honor to be here. So I wanted to kind of get some insight a little bit. I, I, I know a little bit about your background, obviously, but I don't know the ins and outs of how you even, how you even got started doing race photography. I mean, where did that journey even begin? I, I think you guys did some local stuff initially, but what was it always flat track? Like what, what got you into photography to begin with? And how did you transition into taking pictures of people going in circles? <laughs> Well, I've been around motorcycle racing all, virtually all my life, uh, like so many of us have been. And uh, I raced for a while, and and as I kept getting bigger and bigger and older, and it was time to, to quit that. And I just kind of picked up a camera. And my mom used to take pictures just basically of me at the racetrack, and I always, I always loved looking at the pictures when I was really young and I just thought I'd try to do that. And it just kind of evolved to more and more. And, and, uh, after I quit racing, I was away from it for, I mean, didn't really do anything. Went and as a fan and watched races, but I didn't really do anything at the racetrack for a few years. And then I just started taking pictures again. And, and after, well, I moved so much of my life. Uh, I've worked as an iron worker uh, from the time I got out of high school and it caused me to move around the country a lot. So I got the opportunity to see a lot of, I go to races all over the country. And uh, when I quit moving so much and decided I was going to settle down here in Illinois, uh, I decided to start doing some local races and they weren't getting any coverage of any kind. And I thought it was a shame that they had all this racing going on and nobody really knew it, knew about it uh, after the fact. So I just started sending stuff to cycle news and on the local level. And, uh, really the first time cycle news asked me to do anything, uh, uh, Jack Mangus called, called me and asked me if I would, the uh, uh, Illinois motorcycle dealers association had a series of races going in Illinois and wanted to know if I would cover them. And that was the first thing that I was actually ever asked to do. And it just kind of went from there. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. What what was your first what was your first pro race that you took photos at? Do you remember when it was? Because I know it was like in the early 80s, correct? Uh it was actually in the 70s. Uh, oh. probably about 70, 77, I'm gonna say. And it was uh, uh Jerseyville half mile. And then uh, as far as, and, and that I just shot from the outside and, and wrote a little something for Cycle News. I mean, back then, you, Cycle News covered all the local events. And uh, I mean, it was all in the back, little in the little print area. And yeah. uh, they paid by the inch, by the column inch. And they so they shrunk it down as much as they could. Uh, just for Just for people listening, do you remember what, what something like that paid back in the day. I mean, to just do a little, I mean, obviously times have oh, changed. The, yeah. You maybe, maybe most of the time, maybe make 20, $25. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Times have changed for sure. Uh, I actually remember cycle news, man, I'm, I feel old kind of, but I remember the, uh, <laughs> I remember when I started racing, cause I didn't really race when I was younger. I didn't start till I was like a teenager, but 
I remember the old cycle news where you went to the back and they had it kind of organized based on region. And you could see like, for instance, trailway speedway or Timonium and they had photos and um, things like that. I think uh, Len, Len Breck, Brech was, he, he was the photographer out here and he would always submit the regional stuff, man. It's so cool. Like to just, I didn't remember, remember that until you, you brought it up the, like the regional stuff in the back. That's, that's really cool uh, time frame. And then don't get me wrong, but like, do you guys, you initially were black and white photos, correct? And then obviously you, you went to color when you started in the seventies were color was color photos an option even, or was it mainly just all black and white? Well, you, you could, but, but, but for the print and for cyclists and all of that, they wanted black and white. And, and basically when I, when I moved here was the first opportunity I had to actually, uh, put a dark room in and have a dark room myself. And it was much easier to do black and white uh, for cost and everything else was to do black and white. So we started out doing black and white, but when I started trying to, to sell pictures to the writers and, and stuff, uh, we worked in the black and white, which was, which was good around here, but Burt Shepard was doing the same thing in Ohio and, and he had the, the gig with camels and, and was doing all the grand national stuff with, uh, and he shot black and white. And I really wanted to, I, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could really match him. So I had to do something a little different to, to make my product worthwhile so we decided to try color and uh the color the color pictures the color film and everything wasn't really as good as the black and white but the color was different it was it, it just had a different feel about it and and it it kind of separated us a little bit and so we weren't we were in comp sort of like in competition but not really oh yeah no i, I mean I yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. So I, I didn't know that at all. And, and looking on your <clears throat> website, you know, you mentioned the, the photo cart and I didn't, when I was younger going to the races, I would go to the <laughs> photo cart and look through all the photos. But at the time I was young, I didn't, I didn't know Dave Honig. Like I didn't know who you were. <laughs> and now going back, it's like, Oh, that was Dave with the photo cart who I'd always bother for photos and look at the photos. So <laughs> Talk about the photo card and what that consisted of, because I mean, a lot of the young kids now, they don't even know what, what a photo card is. I mean, it's very rare no. for, for photographers. <laughs> you don't even see photographers having print photos. Len, the, our local guy over here, he still has, or he was re just a couple years ago, still selling print photos, but a lot of riders have no idea what that even consists of. So w what was that exactly? Yeah. Well, We'd print up, we'd, we'd shoot a race, we'd come home, and I'd, I'd work all night printing stuff up because I was working a day job too, so I'd have to do the photos at night, and, uh, and then we'd put them in a book, and I'd put them in uh, numerical order to make them easier to find when we got to the, to the next race, and then we had a whole cart full of books, uh, had an expert, had expert books, junior books novice books amateur books and uh we'd go around to the generally i'd try to get out early in the morning 
wander through the pits with the with the cart and uh, sell our wares. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it uh, once once digital came in, that pretty well did away with that. We still did we still did prints for a while, even after I switched to digital. I go, we got a big digital printer and was we're printing it, but the the cost of the chemicals, the cost of the ink, the cost of the paper, the cost of all that became. So, so much that it, it it wasn't worth printing up 25 pictures to sell 10. Yeah. You know, cause it, yeah. you weren't necessarily going to see the same writers the next week and you weren't and, and, and everybody's on a budget. So you weren't necessarily going to sell everything. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been, sure, our, Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Our, our only sure sales back then was, uh, to the Hayden's Earl would buy everything I had every single print photo. He'd buy every single one. Well, I mean, everything of the boys and Jenny when she was riding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I've, I've been through, I've gotten to see the transition really. Cause I was, as soon as I started, it was kind of going from print to digital. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't in an era where it was just print or it was just digital. It was a little bit of both as, you know, so that's kind of cool. I got to see, I got to see the transition a little bit, but um, when you were selling the photos, you know, was it, was it worth like you, you'd print out a bunch of photos was what, what would you do with photos that kind of sat in the album for a while? Do you still have a lot of the print photos or. We have, we have a few left. Uh, not too, not too many left anymore. But uh, we have a few left. We we took the book. We found the books uh, about three or four years ago in the garage, and uh, they were in surprisingly good condition. Opened them up, and they were still still pretty good. We took them to Springfield and uh, gave away a whole bunch of pictures because they were. I think they were from like 2003. Must have been the last year we we packed the books around. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's actually the first year that yeah. I pretty much started racing more, you know, full time was, was 2003. So, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's really cool to, to get that insight. Uh, I had a few questions too, that I wanted to ask you. Um, so you got, you initially, you and Kathy, your wife, Kathy, she is big part of the company. Uh, well, let's get into that first. What, what were your jobs kind of, obviously you're the photographer, but what did what did Kathy do for the company? Um, you started Flat Track Photos, and I think I read it. It was like 1982 is when you actually started your your company name. Um, and then you know you're busy doing the doing the photos, things like that. But what what were each of your jobs? Because you guys are a team, and everybody knows you as Dave and Kathy. So, what was that kind of dynamic like between the two of you in this business? Well, when we we started, Kathy started shooting in 1980, probably, I don't know, 81. At any rate, uh, <clears throat> we were both shooting for several years. And, and when we were doing the, the, uh, the IMDA uh, thing uh, series, Choke Gray was running that. And he was adamant that he wanted anybody that was in the infield to have white pants on. <clears throat> and uh, so we always, wore white pants and it to, to the IMDA races. And then we thought, well, we'll just wear white all the time. And 
I don't remember which year it was, about 83 or four, something like that. We went down to uh, Daytona or down to Bike Week, and we went, we're going in to sign up, and Freddie Ephraim was the referee at Jacksonville, Florida, and he didn't have enough people to work. And we were there in our in our whites, and he said, wanted to know if uh, we could go to work for him down there. He wanted me to do tech, and he wanted Kathy to, to work sign-up. And I, I said, well, Kathy can work sign-up, but I'm obligated to shoot for cycle news and do this for cycle news. So I can't really, you know, do that too. So he got Kathy to work and then she ended up working the whole series down there and doing sign up and scoring. And while we were down there, the, our, the local referee from Illinois, Dick Andre, saw that she was working and he said, I didn't know you would do this. And she said, yeah, I did. So he said, well, how about working our races in Illinois, all the District 17 pro races in Illinois, which at that time there was a lot of pro racing going on. So she started doing that and then just been with it ever since. Basically what she did after after that was, uh, and she she got into into the, the national stuff. Uh, Duke Ologist just to get her to score, mainly the miles, because nobody, I guess nobody wanted to score miles, but uh, would get her to do that. He, he 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 wouldn't have her work sign up, so she'd be out running around taking pictures and selling pictures. And then pretty soon you'd hear over the the speaker, uh, Kathy Honig, report to, report to the AMA trailer, and they'd have it go put her camel camel shirt on and then go score. But I always I always felt Duke uh, just used her for scoring because he didn't have to pay her as much that way. <laughs> yeah yeah uh i was gonna ask you brought up a good point like scoring miles back in the day there weren't transponders so it was it was probably stressful for the scorers to make a call because i watched just a race yesterday and it was with parker and Carr. i forget man i forget what race it even was it might have been san jose and watching the the tv footage i for sure thought chris Carr won it was a heat race and they gave it to parker and I've talked to Chris Carr as well, and he mentioned that there's been, you know, there's been decisions where they've gone back, they made the call, and then they go back and they see a, you know, a photo, a, a photograph, and they'll say, "Oh, sorry, you should have won," but there's nothing we can do. So, um, did did you did they ever have you take the finish line photos? I know it might be a stupid question, but did you ever have to supply a photograph for any sort of referee decision? Uh, not, no, not really. Uh, later on, they got a, they had a camera that they put at the start finish line that they reviewed things with too. The, the only time I ever, ever came close to that was, uh, at, uh, Knox, Knoxville, Iowa, uh, with Jake Johnson and Jared Mees, I believe it was. Oh yeah. Had a, yeah. had a really close, close finish there. And I had actually had a picture, actually had a, picture of the finish and Jared's ahead by about three inches, but they're still like about three or four inches back from the, from the line. And it, it, so it, I don't think it made the decision, but it helped them decide kind of which way they were going to go. They gave it to Jared. Uh, I know uh, 
I think Jake was writing for uh, Dave Zanotti at the time, and Dave was just adamant that that Jake had passed him. And and I didn't really realize because a lot of times when you're taking a picture, you don't really see what's going on. I mean, you don't absorb what's going on. You're worried about other things. And I thought Jared was passing Jake, but he said Jake was coming up the inside and was actually passing uh, Jared and had him at the line. Well, my picture didn't, you know, is a still picture. You can't tell exactly what happened there, but they gave it to Jared. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure for you, Dave, to, uh, to be in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I mean, it's it's obviously it's gotten really strict with photography right now and professional racing across the board. It's not really just I mean, photographers could get away with a lot more in the 70s and 80s. It was more of a way looser of a program, we'll say that, where you could probably pretty much you could probably almost sit on the racetrack. I mean, it was you pretty much had free reign, is that correct? I mean, what was you know, the, well, as far, the placement, you know, like where, how, how has that changed over the years? Well, to a certain extent, you're, you're right. You could, you could get uh, really close, way closer than you should have been. And that has really, really, really changed now. I mean, there's, and a lot of it, my way of thinking is, is a little absurd. Uh, a lot of times they, they apply uh, sprint car. Uh, criteria to where you can be and with motorcycles it's entirely different uh, with sprint cars I can understand there's times that a sprint car will come to the inside or that's why I always uh, quads or three-wheelers back back in the day always worried about them because those guys that hook a wheel and, and come to the inside and motorcycles 99% of the time if anything happens they'll slide to the outside uh, they're not yeah. going to come to the inside so I mean, you don't want to be hanging over a rail or especially like at Springfield where the actually the guys, riders will, will have their heads over the rail uh, at times. So you you got to be real careful with there. And, and when you're looking through the a camera, when you're looking through the lens, everybody thinks, oh, you got a great seat. But you miss a lot of things that are going on because you're looking through a very narrow, very narrow funnel. And uh, it, it's... Uh, I've I've never felt unsafe in really any place I ever put myself, uh, other than a couple of times where uh, AFT wanted me to go stand and shoot and tell and tried to tell me that was the safe place to go, and I know it wasn't, <laughs> but uh, but that's the way it is. I mean, you, you, it it's got to the point where uh, I, I I got to where. It, it used to be really important to me to try to get that best shot, that, you know, that shot. And anymore, it's whatever I can do, I can do, I can't do, I can't do. Uh, I don't know how to describe that necessarily other than that. It's just maybe I've gotten enough pictures. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've seen a lot. You've seen a lot through that camera lens. No, it's, uh, it's inter interesting. You give that perspective of, you know, oh, you know, I just said before you came on, Dave has been to a lot of races. He probably seen more racing than anybody, but you've also probably missed quite a bit just being being oh. in your camera, you know. So that's actually really interesting. Uh I was gonna ask, have you had any close calls with riders, bikes, bikes tumbling toward you? No. Have you no? Uh, well twice at Greenville, Ohio, not the same year, 
and both times Canadian writers, they down in one and two hooked a rut and came to the inside. Uh, Doug Lawrence one time and uh, Dominic Bulak the other time and came to the inside. They weren't particularly close, but they were close enough that they filled up my lens when they when they came by me. Uh, the only other time that, and I didn't really realize it was close, and it, it goes back to the, the last thing we were talking about. At uh, they had a they had a national in St. Louis at the at Bush Stadium, a short track, and they had hay bales around the outside of the track, but they let you go stand outside the track and shoot. And it was during practice, and I was shooting coming off coming out of four, and I had a long lens on, and it got to the end of practice. They ran their laps of practice, and I. I pulled my camera down and I looked to my right and there was two Honda mechanics running at me towards me at the on the dead run and I thought the hell did I do but I, I turned around and looked around and, and Bubba Schobert was laying at my feet <laughs> he was there were the hay bales were between us but Bubba was was right there that was when him and Terry uh Poovey tangled in practice and and Bubba went down and uh wow. he wasn't hurt or anything but but I thought hell he probably <laughs> five feet away from me and i i never saw any of it that's crazy <laughs> that perspective where again you're in your camera and you just you missed all your you missed your peripherals a little bit when you're when you're in your camera kind of doing your thing uh i kind of have some specific questions i wanted to ask you and it kind of bounces around a little bit but what is your favorite track to photograph at over the years and you can break it down different error. I mean, uh, obviously you've, you've seen a lot of really iconic historic racetracks over the years, but was there a certain track that you went to and you just knew there was going to be a bunch of really good photos? Like for instance, for me, anytime we go to a cushion like Lima, I feel like the content is so much better on a track like Lima than something like, I don't know, let's say like a, rough car track where it's just kind of meh, you know, like, so for me, Lima has always been probably my favorite to look at photos, but as a photographer, what is your, what, what are your favorite tracks? Well, Lima, Lima of course was good. Uh, it was, it was better earlier on, I think than it is now, although I think it's getting a little bit better now, but I think a lot of that has to do with, with, uh, equipment and tires and, and the way people ride now. Uh, but, uh, Harrington, Delaware was one of my favorites. Uh, Springfield short track was always a favorite. Um, what about filming I don't, indoors, I don't know Dave? Like going back to the Astrodome or the Cow Palace or indoor tracks that you've, you know, DeCoin Indoor, we had a national there. I think DeCoin is the only national indoor that I've ever raced, uh, me personally. But you've been to some indoor facilities. What What's that like compared to being outdoor? Well, the lighting, of course, is not as good, although the Astrodome lit up pretty well because they had to have good lights for uh, football and baseball and everything. And the the Astrodome was just cool because, especially early on, when they'd get 45,000, 50,000 people in there, it was amazing. Uh, That was was a good – I like the short track better than the TT. Uh, I just – the racing was closer. Most TTs – really don't have good i don't feel most tts have really good racing um, they generally string out in line but uh as far as you're talking about indoors the cow palace that was just a that was just a concrete or i it, 
it, it was okay. I mean, it was good. It was, there's a lot of neat things that there's neat, any, any motorcycle race is going to have neat things. Most any race is going to, going to have good things going on. I've always felt that, but, uh, yeah, the, as far as indoors, uh, the coin was cool. I, I really liked the coin. That was a, a little bit bigger, but the Astrodome was a, was a, a good size short track where most of the time they're, in Smaller. when you go indoors or just they're just not you know? yeah yeah so with that being said we're gonna pull out the the glass half empty dave honig here what is we don't <laughs> see the we don't see the glass half empty much on you dave you're a pretty positive guy but uh i gotta get some insight on what are some of the least favorite tracks you've been to um ones where you don't even you barely take your camera out because it's like oh this sucks you know whether it's the lighting or the dirt or maybe like it's always like the weather where it's always, you know, cloudy or what have you. What's, what's some of your least favorite tracks over the years? Uh, I, I don't really have any least favorite. I, maybe I just put them out of my mind, but there isn't any track I didn't take the camera out for. I always took the camera out and always shot. Well, you know, when, when back when we started and shooting film, that was expensive. Uh, there's, I, I wish in, in so many different, I'm going back through and scanning old stuff. Now that's basically what I do now. <laughs> Go back and live the old, the old years. But, uh, um, uh, I can't say there's any one track cause, cause it, there might be a track that, that you went to that maybe it really sucked this time and you go back to it the, a year the next year. And, Oh, that was really cool. That was good because you get better weather, you get better whatever whatever the reasons are better just turns out better and uh i don't i don't really have any i get i guess places i wouldn't go back to okay I and mean, there's places uh there's like like you they just were at devil's bowl devil's bowl was not necessarily a favorite of, of mine yeah, I don't like Devil's Bowl either, Dave. We we're we're on the same team there. I I, I didn't like Devil's Bowl as a rider, but uh, but I liked watching it. Like this year, there was some pretty good racing. So it all depends what what job you're at, I guess. I mean, photographers to uh, scoring officials to riders to mechanics. Everybody everybody likes different tracks. Like as a rider, we all love we all love Lima, but um, or we all love the Mega Mile. Like that was a really fun track in Virginia. But as a mechanic. Yeah you freaking hated the mega mile cause you blew up half your shit. So, uh, yeah, yep. it just depends what, what job you have, I suppose. Um, bouncing around a little bit, going back to the eighties and the nineties, what, what do you miss most about that era of racing? Is it the riders? Is it the color, like the color schemes on the bikes, the helmets? Like for me, the nineties, you know, everybody had the custom helmets that look cool and the, and the leathers and the tents with their name on it. And, you know, it was just a different time for me. Um, you know, the racing, the riding styles, the motorcycles, like, what do you, what do you miss most about like the seventies and eighties, uh, early nineties that, that you don't see now? Well, that's a tough one. That's a loaded question. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's the lack of riders. Um, there's, you know, the, the, but I, I, that can be attributed to to so many different things. And I think, I think one of the things that's missing from the sport is the, the pro racing that went on back then, especially the seventies and eighties, it started to go away in the nineties, but, uh, back when all 
just around the country. There were so many places that were running uh, weekly events. Like you went up to the Northwest, there was Castle Rock and Sidewinders running every weekend. You went down to California and Ascot run every Friday night. And I'm sure there was other tracks out there that ran uh, on a weekly basis pretty much. And of course, in the Midwest, we had Santa Fe Park and, and, uh, and Granite City that run on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And then, and then you could find a half mile uh, somewhere in Illinois. Or you could go to Ohio and find two half miles every weekend that we're running. That was just strictly a professional, not a national, but a professional race with the three classes. The short tracks, the short tracks, of course, uh, were all one class because everybody rode 250s on the on short tracks, so it was all one class. Novice, junior, expert, and then eventually they got enough riders that uh, that they split it to junior expert and one class and novice and and the other and and ohio and and uh indiana and illinois they all ran the half miles all three classes and you had you had full classes in all three classes and and i always i always said the reason there were so many good fans in that in the illinois area was because of santa fe park and granite city and because of the imda series that went on that that ran they had it was like a 15 race series that paid a points fund at the end of the year to all three classes. Uh, it wasn't a huge points fund, but it was it was fairly good money, especially for the experts. And then the expert races all had a pretty good payout. Uh, the novice never had a good payout, no matter no matter what era you went into. But uh, the experts could make some money, and you could make you know you could go on a weekend, you could have a job, and you'd be and you could still be within. Uh, two hours, three hours of a of a weekend race where you could go make maybe as much money as you made on your real job during the week. So it was it was worthwhile to go to, and but also the fans it they just packed the places they packed those races. And yeah. The IMDA did did okay with that, but at that time Springfield wasn't running. Uh, they were they they were still kicked out of Springfield, and the IMDA and and. Uh, and uh, uh, Gray, Walt Graybill was uh, working with the IMDA, trying to get them back into Springfield, working with the governor and everything. And they finally got back in in 1981. They ran a regional there, and then they started running nationals again in, in 82. But that pretty well killed the IMDA series then, because the the dealers they're all they're all businessmen. They could see well, we're, we're working 15 races, 15, you know, putting in work at 15 races and we're making X number of dollars and we can put on one race in Springfield and make the same amount of money. So yeah, that you mentioned, well did away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about that and it's definitely different now than, I mean, back then you could, like you mentioned, you could race nonstop, but you did mention too, and I want to bring up a good point. You mentioned the fans and if you watch any old video or you know, photographers like see old photos of these racetracks. There was a lot of fans, but even more specific, there was a lot of fans that came to the track who rode their motorcycles. You know, you don't see as many street bikes lined up in the parking lot at some of these tracks, you know, it's, 
it's kind of crazy going back. It's like, man, fans literally, there was fans who literally drove, sorry, true. That's an idiotic thing for me to say as a motorcycle guy, <laughs> they rode their bikes to pretty much most of the races. Like they followed the series. They would go and camp out. They'd go to the coin, they'd camp out. I mean, it was, it was a different time for the fans as well. And it just seems like there were more motorcycle riders back then that that followed the series and more family owned dealerships and uh, you're going to get me ran here, but no, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely different times for sure. Um, you know, in retrospect, let's be a glass half full right now, Dave, what is the, um, what's something about the current riders or, you know, things now, like what's a positive that you do enjoy as a fan right now with, with maybe it's the riders or, the tracks, the motorcycles, uh, what do you enjoy about it now? Well, the, the competition is, is coming back. Uh, it's in the twins class. You got, uh, Dallas and Jared going back and forth and JD jumping in there once in a while. And I, I think if they can, if, if they can maintain the competition, the competition, the competitive competition, uh, and the, and the, the number of fans that they're drawing to races, they're, they're doing something right on their, on their advertising or whatever that, I mean, we haven't been to a race this year, but what we watch it every, every time on uh fan choice. And it looks to me like the grandstands are filling up again. So they're, they got to be doing something right there. Uh, I wish, I wish, I wish it was, uh, a, a little more realistic for for some more privateers to be able to get involved. Uh, right now, you've got it's dominated by it, it's going to be dominated, and it's, especially for a while, it's going to be dominated by a few a few teams because uh, money and resources, as it's always been. It's it, it's I mean, from back when I was racing, it was how fast do you want to go? How thick is your wallet? You know, uh, yeah, yep. So, but but I, I really, I, I I've never been a fan of the motocross bikes. That just uh, I just don't like that. The competition is great. The riders are great. Uh, everything about it in that sense. But I I keep going through my. It keeps popping up in my head how much better it could be if. I, and I know it's old, and I know it's it's obsolete or whatever. But if they were on framers. <laughs> because yeah. I've, I've always felt i've always felt that the 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 racing is a is a central thing if you it's what you see and it's what you hear and it it shouldn't be it it, it didn't used to be and it shouldn't be about how fast are you going i don't i don't think it's a it's a it's a great positive to say oh so-and-so turned a you know ran a hundred and 35 miles an hour down the back stretch. When you're sitting in the grandstands, you can't tell if he's going 135 or if he's going 130 or if he's going 125. Yeah. And if yeah. it if it would bring the competition to, to, together, if it would bring the people together closer to be running slower, I don't think running slower would necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah, no, I I can't disagree. It's it's a cool it's it's cool to get that perspective about about some of that stuff you just mentioned for sure. Um I it's it's crazy Dave honestly like thinking about how many 
how many father and sons and family members you've kind of watched come through, turn rookie, maybe win their first race, win a championship, and then retire. I mean, it's you've you've been around for decades where you've seen the circle of life with so many of these these racers. Uh, how how is that for you? Like you know, because you obviously took photos of my dad, and then you know you took photos of me, you took photos of Shana. You've I, have you taken some photos of Cruz? I'm sure you have somewhere. Um, I have. I, yeah, I did it at Peoria last year. That's right. Yeah. So how that's got to be cool though. I mean, just seeing people. I mean, it's crazy for me growing up. For instance, Cameron Smith and Brandon Price. I remember I was a rookie professional when those kids were on fifties, and then I, you know, I I ended up battling with you know them guys as I as I came through and started to shift away these young kids, it's crazy for me. And you've seen it on even a greater scale. So what is, what is that like to kind of watch people, you know, grow up before your camera lens? It's, uh, it it is really cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more of that all the time because I'm going back and trying to scan old pictures right now. I'm working on 1993 because I, I don't think I'll live long enough to get them all scanned. But um, not 93. I think I might get 93 done. But at any rate, the the people that were riding in 93 uh, that have taken pictures of their kids now, um, like, uh, well, Cody Cop, of course, uh, with Joe. I, I have pictures of Cody riding on the gas tank with Joe out in Stockton, Kansas. When Joe would, you know, Joe was one that would always go out and look at the racetrack. Oh, yeah. And uh, he would take... He, <laughs> He took Cody along with him, and uh, what really impressed me at the time, Cody was maybe I'm going to say maybe three, and uh, but he was intent- intensely watching everything on the racetrack. It wasn't like most little kids would be sitting there looking at the clouds or whatever, but he was watching everything that was going on on that racetrack, and uh, it just really impressed me at the time. It, it really Im- impressed me, and of course to watch him grow on to what he's doing and and dallas daniels is another one um i'll be honest with you about dallas when i saw him on a 50 for the first time i really i was gonna say i wasn't impressed uh it looked like he was just out riding around i don't really know how old he was he might have been really really young might have been too young for the bike or whatever but it, it looked to me like he wasn't really interested and I really thought, man, I hope Nick is not just taking this for, for Nick's sake. But he has really impressed me with the way he has matured and come on. And, and he's obviously a very good, very good motorcycle racer that uh, has well, he's obviously paid his dues and, and he's getting the reaping the rewards for it now. Yeah, absolutely. That's one I, I actually took, I actually took pictures of his grandfather. <laughs> Oh wow! I didn't even know the Nick grandfather Sam. raced. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He didn't ride pro, but uh, I got some amateur pictures of him. Yeah, and I mean, and then Kenny, Kenny oh, Coolbeth and his dad. I got pictures of them. Uh, there, there's so many. There's, there's so many, and of course the the Raggios. People just pop into my mind. Uh, uh, Cody John Cox and his dad, uh, Brian Newman, and and Brandon Newman, and. Kevin and Ryan and Varnes's and just so many. Yeah. It's, 
It's really cool. I mean, uh, when you, when I, tur- when I started racing and I pretty much didn't start racing till I was a little bit older, I think 2003, 2004. And you took, you know, all my photos that I have as an amateur, you were pretty much the photographer. You know, my dad would buy the flat track photos. It was CDs back then. So we would get the photos yeah. on a CD, yeah. uh, for kids listening, a CD is if you pop it into your computer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but see, it's a CD. We would get the CDs and, and you have photos of me, literally my first year racing all the way up until my last year. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I just got a bunch of photos from you last year and it just, it, it took me back like memory lane. And it, it was honestly, it, it was my whole career in photos and it was all through Dave Honing at flat track photos. So yeah, you've got to watch, watch me kind of come up and, you know, do my thing and then yeah, move along. So it's, it's cool. It's a really yeah. cool, really cool thing to, uh, to have you part of, uh, did you have, you know, as you probably knowing you, you're not going to really give me a great answer on this one. Cause I had <laughs> your personality, but do you have a favorite rider? I mean, do you have a least favorite rider? Like, uh, no, you know? I, I don't have a, I don't have a least favorite rider. I'll okay. put that out right now. I don't have a least favorite rider. I, I really, every writer I know. And, and, one of the things that's kind of disappointing is that we, the last four or five years, probably, well, especially when COVID started and we never had the opportunity to meet a lot of the, the young kids that are in the singles class now and a lot of that. And of course, you know, once you reach a certain age, you can't really, I don't know, talking to the young kids, it's, it's a little harder now, I will say. But it it uh, as far as favorite writers, I I had some favorite writers. I had a few a few favorite writers over the years, and and there was always there was a, a few favorite writers to shoot pictures of, which of course means they were doing something outrageous or or something I felt was was cool. But you know, people like Rusty Rogers, obviously, was 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 a favorite to take pictures of Kevin Atherton. Um, there's there's when you when you go back in the years like i said i'm going through through stuff now that i'm i'm looking at that uh brings back so many memories and and there's and what i really hope to do is on our web page i i started it but i haven't put anything in it yet a page that uh i'm going to call yesterday and go back and put old stuff on it and hopefully i can get get uh hopefully people can can see the sport the way it was and and hopefully we'll still have some stuff fairly recent we haven't been to anything this year and i'm not not real sure i know we won't make many this year and if if my arm doesn't get a little bit better i can't pick up the camera yet so i don't i don't really know exactly when we'll be able to come back we're thinking maybe to coin but i don't know yeah um but it it's it's hard i mean it, it's hard to uh it's it's hard to to single out anybody i mean i'm i'm sitting down here in i guess it's my office i don't know it's but at any rate i've got two pictures on the wall here one with brian smith uh leading springfield off the turn four from the outside and another one of kenny Coolbeth and jared Meese on the back stretch of sacramento and i've got Let's see. I got uh, Jay Springsteen over here on my left at Greenville. It, it, 
I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> That's a tough one. I'm throwing you I for a loop here. I can't here. pick one writer. <laughs> well, I know your your daughter, Danielle, she's, she's been around for a long time as well and coming to the racetracks growing up. She worked for the AMA as well. And, and her favorite was Kevin Barnes, right? Like, was that her favorite growing up? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kevin was... Kevin was one of my favorites too growing up. Uh, I don't want to give him the credit of my absolute favorite, but he was he was up there. I was a I was a big Rev and Kevin fan. And, you know, I, I just thought that was cool. The first time I met Danielle, she was, you know, she was talking about Kevin and she liked Kevin. So we I, I think yeah. I actually came to your guys' house. I, we went out or uh we stayed and came out for Quincy. They used to have the Quincy short track or yeah. whatever yeah. it was. And so I actually think I've I've been near, uh, been near place, but, uh, two more questions yeah. for you. Um, is there any photographers that you look up to or that you really respect? I mean, obviously you're, you're probably, I think photography, most of them, it seems like they all are friends. Like it's not, not an over, uh, over competition or rivalry. Like you see in, uh, the riders or the mechanics or even like I'm promoting races now. And I, you know, I have a lot of promoters that just like kind of salty and I'm just like, man, I, I, we're all working together to, to grow the sport. I, I, it kind of threw me off the, you know, the angry promoter thing, but, uh, photography, how's that? Like, and, and did you have a, a guy you looked up to? Well, uh, probably the first guy, there was probably two that I, that were working for cycle news at the time that I really looked up to and tried to emulate somewhat was, uh, uh, Henny Ray Abrams and, uh, and Bert Shepard, uh, they were, and I had actually, when, when I was riding, I'd actually bought pictures from Bert, uh, when I was riding in Ohio and, uh, it surprised me to find out we we're both about the same age, but at any rate, uh, those two were the two I looked up, but there was, you look back and there was a lot of, a lot of photographers, Rain and Ness, uh, that covered for Cycle News, and and uh, and Ben uh, Breach uh, with his coverage, uh, and then there's there's uh, Dan Mahoney and Mitch Friedman and and Greg Newgard, and it were basically California. Of course, uh, Dan traveled all over too shooting, but you know everybody can't be in this. You can't cover everything at a racetrack you need more than one photographer which is what i always my feelings on it were i and i I certainly didn't feel that that i was any better or belonged to any place that any other photographer didn't belong if you know if you were if you had a job to do and you were doing your job everybody's just trying to do their job and doing it trying to do it the best they can and i i feel that i've always got along with with the other photographers. Uh, that was my feelings. I don't, I don't know theirs. (laughs) Yeah, I I would, I would say I would agree, Dave, you're a non-confrontational, really, really nice guy. I mean, I've never really seen you get fired up or angry. I'm sure if I asked Kathy, she'd probably give me a couple examples, (laughs) but, uh, I'm sure there's stories. (laughs) What is, I got actually got, I'm going to add, I'm going to throw, I got two more. I'm going to add, add a fun one on at the end here, but Favorite flat track photo of all time. And you've taken, I don't even know, probably millions. You've taken so many photos. Uh, do you have an all-time favorite photo? I've got three. 
actually. Uh, okay. One would be Ricky Graham backing it into turn three at Lima. And he's on the cases and all cranked around. And it, it, it's really someone the next week when I, I showed him that picture, he said, did I fall? <laughs> well, no, not there. Actually he went down and fell in turn one, but uh, it, that, that was one of my favorites. And then uh, another one uh, was a, a picture of John Kaczynski at the Springfield short track on that, on that. Uh, oh yeah. I guess it's 250. 250. Yep. Yeah. We've had him on the podcast. I believe it was a, he talked about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He is cranked he, uh, so sideways and the picture turned out so nice that, uh, that that's one of my favorites. And, uh, another one would be, uh, Rusty Rogers when he's hanging off the, hanging off the inside of the, the motorcycle. It, uh, I thought, I always thought that picture was, was at Lima. But when I went looking for it at Lima, I couldn't find it. It was actually Hagerstown. Uh, <laughs> he's hanging, hanging. Away. It's kind of funny. You would you would think he'd be crossed up at Lima, right? It's a cushion, but no, yeah, he's crossed yeah. up at Hagerstown on the clay track, just getting after it. Yeah, yeah. that's it, it's it's kind of funny. I, I told you I was working on '93, and actually, I'm working on Hagerstown right now. And I have got a bunch of pictures of people totally sideways at Hagerstown. Yeah, well, that's good. Off we were... turn two. I'm promoting a race at Hagerstown later this summer. And I was just, just talking yeah, it up to that. all the, all the listeners trying to get them pumped up on that racetrack. <laughs> I, I haven't been there. So that's, that's definitely a good plug for me, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, I got a question for you. Cause I know you're just not, you're not confrontational at all. I just, I so I'm just going to like throw one at you. I just really <laughs> like, really like to see what your answer is. Uh, if you line me and Shane up on a track, we do 20 laps. Who's winning? <laughs> Of what track? <laughs> oh man, I I guess that does start things for uh for a little loot. I guess we could pick one that we both want at, maybe like a Lima or Volusia. I guess then you go, what bike is it, right? So uh Yeah, that'd be next. I just like to tease on people because I mean people try to make it a ri- a rivalry, but it's it's never <laughs> never been that way. But it's just it's just funny. I did I didn't know, but uh Bert Sumner told me I passed her in career wins last year. So uh that's that's pretty good. I'm hoping she <laughs> hoping she beats it back, but no, nah, she probably takes cooler photos though, right? Like you, she probably has. She's probably hung off the bike a little bit more than I am. Well, early on, anyway. Although I I got some pretty good pictures of you here in the last few years too. Uh, yeah. I I don't know if you you know if I was going to say maybe a mile that Shana might win, but you two you two went at it that one year at Springfield. I believe she did beat you there, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she did. And it, and we were on twins. So for the people listening that yeah. say she can't ride a twin, <laughs> she uh, heads up beat me on on the twin. Uh, yeah, no, it's we we you we have some really cool photos together. Uh, Daytona Shore Track, the one year we were in a heat race together, and then Springfield. Um, trying to think, in the mile, I think I have a photo of us together in practice. So. Uh, and then a couple, a couple races, my, the year I rode the singles class in 18, there's a couple photos. I try not to look at photos from that year. I get PTSD, but, uh, <laughs> there's definitely some, some photos of us together and yeah, it's all, it's your camera lens. So it's definitely memories that, you know, it, your, your legacy is going to be going for a very long time, way, way after you've, you know, you're not here anymore. 
people are going to have these memories on their walls and their, their kids walls and their grandkids walls. Uh, you know, some of those photos that I just talked about there, you know, I, I, I still like to print photos and hang them up, hang them up in the house. Uh, and there's a lot of really, really cool photos that, that you've taken for, for me personally. So I definitely just want to thank you for, for all your hard work over the years. And I just thought it'd be really cool to get you on the podcast and appreciate you taking the time to, to call in. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, if it wasn't fun, we, we wouldn't do it. That's what we always said. And, and there it, it got to the point to where it, it wasn't as much fun. And when you, you reach our age, uh, it, and as much work as it is, I mean, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of work. I mean, we go out, we would go out all day long and it, it's really tiring and wearing on you. And then, and then, and when, after things went digital, everybody wants their pictures right now. So you'd have oh, yeah. to be up all night working on things. And, and, uh, and I, and I understand that. And it, it's easy now for, with the, the media and everything, the, the, uh, the medium of being able to, to work with email and Facebook and, and all this stuff. But we just shot a little bit different style to where it took me longer to do things. I mean, people can turn stuff out now so quick. Uh, there comes a time when you just get passed up. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't, we never did things exactly that way. And, uh, it, it, it took us longer to, to turn our, turn out our end product, I should say. Yeah. So yeah, def- you get definitely. tired, you get tired. <laughs> All right, can before I let you go, can fans listening can they still buy okay. or check out photos on your website and purchase them still? I mean, do you have any albums? Like, what's the best way for fans to reach out to purchase photos from you? Is it, are you still doing that? Yeah, we still do that, and uh, best look at our, our actually our website right right now just has last year's pictures on it, but I have everything available, and if there's anything that somebody is is looking for in particular uh we can we can probably come up with most anything it's it's the the hard part is is when somebody says oh i I want a picture of scott parker okay what year well i don't know whatever year well okay what type of bike or what type of track well and it doesn't matter so then you got to start looking through everything if if people can narrow things down to a a year that or a track or something along those lines, it makes things a little quicker and easier to do, but no, it's still available. Everything is still available. And uh, like I said, I, I'm hoping to get that, that uh, yesterday page going to where people could look at a few pictures of Parker or a few pictures of Springsteen or, or I'm going to try to, I'm actually going to try to do those people, but I'm going to try to do people that weren't necessarily in nationals every week. And, you know, more, more of the everyday writer or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Then we can see more, you know, there's a lot of photos of certain riders that just aren't out there because they weren't a top rider. So that would definitely be, definitely be cool and appreciated. I'm sure by uh, so many people, but man, I appreciate you coming on, Dave. We could talk for hours. Uh, What's the next race you're coming to? Uh, We're kind of looking at probably DeCoin. Okay. Uh, would probably be next. Although, although we we have uh, discussed going up to Burt's Race at Plymouth, uh, that would be before that. Oh, it all cool. it all yep. depends on how 
how my arm's doing and how we're doing here. Yeah. Well, I might, I might come out of quote unquote retirement for the, for Burt's race up there at the Dairyland classic. Cause I'll be up there working Moto America. And if I can get, uh, get Chuck or somebody to cover for me for the last couple of hours, I might sneak <laughs> over and I've never raced a Dairyland. It's, it's one that I've, I've oh, always yeah? wanted to do. Yeah. I think it's a track I would I think it's a track I would like, right. I don't know. I watched some footage. I it's think a, so. Clay short track ish. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I might. I might do that as well. So uh hope hope to see you there and thanks again. Well, for, now we need to go, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah, come, come for sure. Um <laughs> be cool to see you guys and thanks again for coming on. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll okay. chat you real soon. Okay, thank you. Yep, see you, Dave. Yep. Take care. See ya. Dave Honig on the pod. Man, that was awesome. I had a big smile on my face the whole time I was doing that that podcast. He's a really cool guy. Really nice guy. I was, uh, him and his wife, Kathy are the nicest people in the pits. Uh, just great, genuine people that have been around a long time. want to make sure we shout out a few more of the sponsors to make it happen. Bell power sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website, yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile, and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Moto America, we got Mini Cup this weekend. Carolina Motorsports Park, May 5th, May 6th. Really excited to kick off the Mini Cup season. A little nervous, but very excited, and it should be a really cool weekend. We're hoping to get a lot of good content out, out for those who can't make it. And, yeah, we're uh, going to roll off mini cup after this weekend and get ready for barber barber motorsports park may 19th to the 21st check out the barber motorcycle museum when you're there it's home to over 1400 motorcycles that span over 100 years of production super bike super sport stock 1000 junior cup twins cup and it also will be round two well rounds three and four but the second weekend of mini cup as well at barber uh if you can't be there Subscribe to the Moto America Live Plus package. But if you're anywhere near the area, get your tickets. Come on out to Barber. It's going to be a really, really awesome weekend. If um, Road Atlanta was any indicator of what we're expecting this year, especially in Superbike, it's going to be super, super rad. Uh, Appreciate all the fans, too, that listen to our Road Atlanta Rewind pod. We have some road race fans that are new to the podcast. Appreciate them listening. We we really love what Moto America is doing, and we're going to try to do these these rewind pods after every every show, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, check out their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, keeping the sport alive, keeping our podcast going. If you're in the market for a commercial or industrial roof, Jerry is your guy. He's He's the legend when it comes to that industry. Nearly 40 years of experience. Check out his website, commercialroofsystems.net. And I also want to give a shout out, AFT Events, Ventura, this coming weekend as well, May 6th, Ventura Raceway. If you can, go check out the event. Bob from AFT Events is is doing a great job, as Dave Honig said. The, The fans are coming back to the track. And if you want to get tickets, you want to save some money, drop us a message on social media. Drop me a message, DM. I'll get you our discount code. So you can go out to the racetrack, save a few bucks, and it should be a banger, a short track right on the ocean. It's going to be rad. So wish I was out there with my team and everybody else, but can't be in two places at once. And we got the mini cup opener this weekend. So appreciate all the love. Everybody subscribing on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We're starting to drop these on on my YouTube channel as well. Shout out to Billy. 
for the extra work on getting it up on YouTube. We're not live videoing most of these podcasts. It's just the audio with our logo. We're hoping to do another, like the Jake Johnson pod, a in-studio interview here soon. If you guys have any guest recommendations, send them my way. We do so many podcasts now with the rewind shows and the guest pods. I have some really cool guests on my list. I'm going to shout them out. If anybody's listening or you know these guests, these are some of the ones that I want to have on here in the near future. I got Logan Myers from Michigan, Steven Vanneker from Michigan, Mikey Martin from California, Mikey Avila from California, Hayden Gillum. We need to get Hayden on the show. He'd be a good one to have on. Jake Lewis, big bagger guy these days. Want to have Jake on. He's a former former still races rides flat track but he's a road racer currently stefano mesa he's uh, a guy i would like to have on here in the near future and then aaron yates i'd like to get ashton on at some point but i really want to get aaron yates on as well and there's a few more that i've been i've been working on that i don't want to really talk about yet but those are some of the ones i have on my radar and we're hoping to get get some of those on. If you guys know any of those riders, I know them as well, but I'm just going to let the fans do their thing. Send them a message, tell them they need to be on the, on the podcast. And uh, yeah, appreciate all the, all the support guys until next time we out.